Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. It was not a compliment. It was ridicule, scorn. The Jews in Antioch ridiculing those who believed that a crucified man who so obviously had failed and did nothing to restore the nation of Israel could possibly be the promised Messiah. And the Hellenists, the cultured and polytheistic Greeks and Romans who lived there scorning them for believing in only one God. Christians, they said with a snort. Christians, they said while spitting on the ground. Christians, they said as they squinted their eyes, slammed their doors, or patted them condescendingly on the head. Christian meant fool. Christian meant stupid. And it still does for some people today. And yet we heard the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now maybe this was in fact the reason for the label. If they stayed small and irrelevant, they could be easily ignored. But if their numbers were increasing, they had to be dealt with. And one of the ways to deal with folks we don't like is to label them, to belittle them, to marginalize them, push them to the fringe, call them names, shame them, so that perhaps they will ease up, lay low, go underground. So no one will want to join with them and be known as one of them. And it works, at least some of the time. Maybe an equivalent term today to what Christian meant then would be Jesus freak. That used to be a label anyway, maybe I'm just showing my age. But someone might say, those people who go to St. Athanasius are Jesus freaks, weirdos. We can either embrace that, a term meant for ridicule and scorn, or cave. Back off and try to fit in, show we're not so weird Not speak out or speak up so much about those issues that break from the word of God in our world today. Because you know it's not a very long step from being a Jesus freak to being, to use today's labels, a phobe, a bigot, a hater, or even a terrorist. The name Lutheran was the same. It was not meant as a compliment. It was meant to ridicule, scorn, belittle, separate, shame, and marginalize those with the theology of Luther and so of the scriptures. Once the Reformation movement could no longer be ignored. Now, I don't know how well it worked then, but it actually seems to be working some now. 
And some churches no longer want Lutheran in their name. But I wonder. I wonder if you take the name Lutheran and even the name Christian out of your church name to fit in. How long before you're neither Lutheran nor Christian in order to fit into the society, into the culture, and what people want to hear? But in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And since the name stuck, I'm assuming that indicates that they didn't try to get away from it, but embraced it. It became not just a name, but an identity. You could be a Jew or a Greek. You could be rich or poor. You could be from the city or from the country and be a Christian. And that's what was happening in Antioch. The Christ, Jesus, who died for all, was calling all into his church, into his kingdom, into his life. And when the church in Jerusalem and the apostles noticed, they sent Barnabas to help them and to encourage them. Barnabas, which ironically was not this person's given name. It was a name, a label given to him. The first time we hear of him a little earlier in the book of Acts, we learn that his name was actually Joseph. But the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So giving names works both ways. For Joseph received a new good name. For one of the things Barnabas did was that he sold a field that belonged to him and gave the money to the apostles for the care of the church and for the poor. And while the apostles called him Barnabas, son of encouragement, maybe there were others who called him Barmoros, son of a fool, son of a moron. Because by the world's thinking, what he did, that's a pretty stupid thing to do. What are you doing, Joseph? Keep your inheritance. Keep your money. Why help the poor like that? They're probably just lazy or addicts anyway. Stupid and foolish could also be applied to other Christians, like the disciples we heard about today in the reading from Mark. We heard there that Jesus sent out the twelve with nothing. No food, no money, no extra supplies, nothing for themselves, but with plenty for others. For he sent them out with his word to heal the sick, cast out demons, and forgive sins. And to those they gave from them, they would receive not only what they needed for the journey, but encouragement. But to those who didn't know Jesus, who didn't know what he did, and who didn't know what he was still giving, and didn't, or, or didn't know it and, and didn't believe it, to them this is all stupid and foolish, moronic. Stupid Christians being stupid Christians. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of a sneer like that, or worse. 
Because you give money and time to the church and the poor. Because you actually believe this stuff. Because you believe that the world was created and didn't evolve. Because you believe that gender is of the body and not of the mind. Because you believe in sexual purity and that marriage is between one biological woman and one biological man. Because you believe in the sanctity of life. Because you believe there really is such a thing as right and wrong. Because you believe there actually is a truth. You stupid, moronic, closed-minded, non-thinking Christian. So you have a choice. Know what you believe and why you believe it and why it is good and embrace it. Or try to blend in and be acceptable. Now I'm not saying to be rude, to call back people names and make others think even worse things of Christians. We shouldn't do that. We want to be Barnabases, encouragers. Encourage people to believe the truth and that there is a truth. Encourage people to believe that there is a better way to live than the craziness that's in our world today. Encourage people to look to Jesus for the life and the hope and the encouragement and forgiveness they need. Or how about this? How about to use a word that is growing in our world today? So instead of saying be an encourager, be an influencer. These are especially on social media, those people who try to influence others to believe as they do. And we're all influenced. We're all influenced by the world. It's hard not to be. It's why we have to keep reading and hearing and learning and relearning the word of God. But maybe, just maybe we could influence others too. And show them there's another way to look at things, another way to live a life that transcends just this. Just what's here and now. A life that is, in fact, Eternal. That's the life that Isaiah was talking about today. When after describing Jesus and all the wonderful things that he would do, he says, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. Now, new song there doesn't mean a song that was just written in the last couple of years. It means a gospel song. A song of the Lord who makes everything new by his death and resurrection. Who makes us new in the forgiveness of our sins. Who makes us new with the new birth of baptism. Who feeds us with the new food of his body and blood. Speak and live this new life from the end of the earth. That's what Barnabas did. And it's what we do, even if we are ridiculed for it. Because that's who you are. It's not just what you believe or what you do. It's who you are. Because it's not just the believers in Antioch 
that received a new name. And it's not just Barnabas who received a new name. You have received a new name. The Lord who, as Isaiah said, does not share his glory, does share his name with you. He put his name on you in holy baptism and said, You are my child. All that I have is yours. And this name, unlike Barnabas, who earned his name, is completely undeserved. A pure gift from God to us, which is good because I could never earn it. But just because it is a gift, it is no less real. It is who you are. It is your identity. Our world today is all about identity. Right? How do you identify? Well, how about this? I am a baptized child of God. Now, you might get called stupid, moron, crazy, fool, or worse for that. But is a few easier months or years before the world moves on to its next crazy idea worth giving up Jesus and his truth for? Today, in just a moment, you're going to hear Leander stand here and say, no, it's not. And I will not, by the grace of God. I intend to remain steadfast in the word of God and my identity as a child of God, even if it costs me my life. Most of you made a similar promise. Audacious to say the least, overconfident, proud to think that you can do so, that you'll not back down when you're, and be influenced by the world? Really? Well, no. Because it is by the grace of God. It is only by the strength of His Word, only by the strength of His work in you, only by His Spirit given to you that that's possible. And by his forgiveness when you fail. Because you will fail. I fail. I did just the other night at a store when I had an opportunity to forgive and I didn't. I was stubborn instead. You fail too. And Leander. But our identity as child of God is not that we are perfect. But that we live in and rely on Jesus' cross won forgiveness, which our new processional cross depicts for us. That's what I deserve. That's what I deserved the other night. Thank God Jesus took my place to give me what I need that maybe I can do better the next time. Leander has learned this of his sin, how great it is, of his Savior, and how much greater than his sin he is, of prayer and the importance of how to pray, of his baptism and giving him a new life, of a life of repentance, and of the food and nourishment he needs to sustain him in this new life 
the body and blood of Jesus. Today, he will confess before you and before his heavenly Father, yes, this is who I am. He will need your help. He'll need our encouragement. He needs you to be his Barnabases. And he'll be yours. Now, maybe some of you think him an unlikely candidate for this. But any more than Saul the persecutor, Peter the smelly and impulsive fisherman, James and John the glory hounds, and you? Not really. For remember when Paul said this, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. And God chose Leander. And God chose you. And God chose Peter and Barnabas, and Saul, and who knows how many others across the centuries, and what were they like? We thank God for such grace. And it is all by grace. So this day we commemorate St. Barnabas the Apostle. It's actually a pretty good day for a confirmation. For the world's not getting any easier, and we need more Barnabases, encouragers, influencers. Barnabas lost his life for this. Maybe Leander will too. Sticking to the promises he makes today, maybe you will. But when you know who you are, your identity in Christ, and the truth of his word, and the life that you have in him far greater than any life we have now, while being a Christian may not be easy, it is good. It is the way of life to go out into this world with nothing but Jesus and his name and his word, and to go out of this world with nothing but Jesus and his name and his word, and to know that is enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.